Why, God? Why do you allow so much suffering? Why did a 21-year-old die at a party from a punch in the head? Why is there fighting in Ukraine? Why did 200 schoolgirls get kidnapped in Nigeria? Why do babies die of starvation and AIDS in Kenya? Thousands and thousands of people feel this way every day when a marriage breaks apart, when a person is bullied at school, when you're cheated on or left out, when a child dies of cancer or a country is bombed. Why, God? Why do you allow so much suffering? And I have cried talking to some of you about the pain in your life, in your families. And I know there are many people in this room who have suffered more than me, but I, I have spent day after day next to a hospital bed wondering if they're ever going to wake up. Why, God? Why do you allow so much suffering? This is the biggest doubt that people have about God. Looking at the world, we think, if, if I was God, I'd end all the pain. So why doesn't he? Is he not powerful enough? Does he just not care? Or is he just plain not there? Now, some people see it as a proof that there is no God. If God is all-powerful, he could stop the pain. And if he is all-loving, he'd want to stop the pain. But there is pain, and so there can't be an all-powerful, all-loving God. Do you see how that sounds like a very logical argument? Well, the problem is that it misses something about God. Because God is all-knowing. And an all-knowing God could have reasons for allowing suffering that we just can't see because we're not all-knowing. And so really the argument should go like this. If God is all-powerful, he could stop the pain. And if he's all-loving, he would want to unless he knows of good reasons to get it continue. And there is pain, so therefore God must have good reasons for allowing suffering. So suffering doesn't prove there's no God intellectually but for most of it's not an intellectual question anyway it's an emotional one I don't tell me if this is you but for us it just doesn't feel right we can't work out what good reasons God could possibly have for the suffering in the world that would make it all worthwhile and so tonight we're going to ask this question not with so much suffering could there be a God yeah there could be a God but the real question is God why is there so much suffering and this one as well. God, what are you going to do about it? But first, I want to ask, what are the other answers out there? Because actually, you need to answer this exact same question, no matter what you believe, God or not. And I think if you see these answers, you'll start to see how beautiful the Bible's answer is. All right, ready for this? Firstly, Hinduism. In Hinduism, suffering is payback. It's karma. What you put out in your past lives, you get back. Famine, cancer, earthquake, they deserved it. And so the Hindu doesn't think this is a tragedy, this is not how God intended to be. The Hindu thinks this is natural, this is restoring the balance to the universe. And yet somehow our hearts say, no, that person's suffering is not the way it's supposed to be, something's gone wrong there. And that's what the Bible says, suffering is not how God intended it to be. Right, secondly, Buddhism. Buddhism will say suffering is an illusion created by our desires, the pain you feel when they die, it's not created by the death itself, but rather by your desire to be with them. And so if you could just get rid of that desire, you wouldn't suffer anymore. So Buddhism says you just got to get rid of desire. But is that really possible? 
Can you say to a nine-year-old who's crying because their dad has died in a plane crash, you should stop desiring your dad? I also think Buddhism is wrong about desires. The Bible says that desires are good things, that they were given to us by God to enjoy. And so instead of getting rid of them, God is actually one day going to satisfy them completely. Well, third, what if there's no God at all? That's atheism. If there's no God, well, suffering just happens. It's just an accident with no meaning. Now I'm not making that up. Here's what the atheist Richard Dawkins says. It's up on the screen. In a, he's a very famous, well-famous guy. In a universe of blind physical forces, no God, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and we won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. There is at the bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, and no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. And so murder, tsunami, they're not... Uh, even things like rape, that's not good or evil. That's just atoms bumping together. And in the end, they don't matter one bit on this dot in the universe that we call the earth. And so really, atheists should care less about suffering than they do. But emotionally, we live in this world of pain. And can you really live in this world of pain believing that behind it all is no reason? There's no plan? There's no such thing as good and evil? Deep down, we know it's not just atoms bumping together. The Bible says there is a meaning behind it, and there is such a thing as evil. The last one we'll look at really quickly, Islam. says that suffering comes from God, and you'll never know the reasons behind it. It's a sin to doubt God, and so don't question it, just accept it. Now, my goal in showing you these views that are out there is not to prove them wrong. It's just to compare them so you'll see that what the Bible has to say is so good. And it makes so much more sense, I think, than any other view out there. Why, God? Why is there so much suffering? Well, here's the unexpected answer number one. The Bible admits that there is a problem with the world and it invites us to question it. So if you've got your Bibles open to Psalm 22, verse 1, have a look at verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you don't answer, by night, but I find no rest. Do you notice there, verse 1 is a question to God, why? And the verse says that it comes out of his cries of anguish. Now, don't miss how surprising this is. Islam says, don't question it. But here is a whole song crying out with our exact question, why? And God has caused it to be written into his book. Why would he put this here? Unless he wanted us to express to him this feeling. See, God intends for us to bring this question to him. Why, God? Why is there so much suffering? And yet, God does say, trust him. And sometimes he does say, no, stop pretending that you know more about this than me. But the Bible says there is a place for that person who trusts God and still cries out, God, I don't understand what you're doing here. Why, God? See, the atheist would say it's meaningless to ask that question if there's no God. And the Muslim would say it's a sin to ask that question. But here it is in the Bible. God inviting us to cry out to him. He is big enough to cope with your questions, your pains and your doubts. 
And God says, when your life goes downhill, don't hide from me. Talk to me. He says, I'm the God of comfort and I'm listening. Guys, if this is your, your, your struggle, your doubt, I do encourage you to ask the hard questions of your leaders, books. See, doubt can actually be a helpful thing. It can force you to look deeper into your beliefs, which means that in the end you actually learn more. And this verse written more than 2,000 years ago shows that you're not the first person to ask this question. This isn't a question that takes God by surprise. The Bible knows about pain, but does it have answers? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does have answers. In fact, unlike the other views that are out there, the Bible doesn't just have one single answer. It's more like a puzzle. And as the pieces kind of fall into place, you understand it more and more. And I think something about that rings really true to me because life is not simple. And so you wouldn't expect the answers to be simple either. Now, I've personally been wrestling with this question for years. So well, it might take a while for you to get the pieces into place. But I've found that as you wrestle with this over time, the more clearly you see the Bible's answers, the more you find, yeah, this is, this is unexpectedly good. Now, I'm not saying that the Bible answers all of our questions. I'm saying it gives the best answer. It sheds light on the most important things and it gives us what we need to face suffering. I'll tell you, I think I've found in my experience, this might not be right, but I've found that the Bible generally gives the big picture answers. It's very good at helping us understand suffering generally, where it comes from, where it's going, what God's doing about it. But in this life, I don't think we'll ever know the answer, the specific answer of why that person suffered. In that situation, we can only guess and trust in what we know about what God's doing in the big picture. So what are those answers? Why, God? Why is there so much suffering? Well, here's unexpected answer number two. We're pointing the finger in the wrong direction. God is not to blame. The problem is us. Do you remember on fat we saw in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31? And God saw everything that he'd made, and behold, it was very good. God didn't create um, evil. He created a good world. But then we chose to do evil with the stuff that he made. See, for example, imagine if I made a really nice chair, okay? But then you picked it up and started using that chair to bash someone to death. Am I to blame for that? No, I made the chair and it was good. God made the world good. And so you've got to ask the question, well, what happened to it? Well, the movie Noah gets a lot of things wrong, but it gets this bit right. In the movie Noah, it says that humans broke the world, and that's also the Bible's answer. Think about how much suffering in this world is caused by human decisions, wars, murders. The way that you find it, and I find it so easy to spend $20 on a new CD, but hard to spend the same amount of money helping those in poverty. Yeah, we do, we do see some glimpses of goodness in society. But more often, we see the stain of sin, selfishness, greed, injustice, violence. If you've got Psalm 22 there, that's what's causing his suffering. Look at verse 16. Dogs surround me. He's calling them dogs. 
Here's how you know it's people. It says, a pack of villains, criminals, encircles me. They pierce my hands and feet. So guys, when suffering happens, blaming God is pointing the wrong direction. God isn't doing the evil. So much of suffering is caused by us, humans. And we've all done it, haven't we? We've all sinned. We're all part of the problem. If you're sitting there thinking, hang on a second, if you're thinking about this, you'd be like, hang on a second, but what about cancer? What about tsunamis? I'm not going to say what about Justin Bieber. I'm getting to that. But (laughs) (laughs) See, cancer, tsunamis, those things don't seem to be caused by us. They seem to be caused by nature. Well, the Bible still has answers. And the one to blame when you dig deep enough is us, because we broke the world. Have you ever listened to really, really bad music? See, believe it or not, for a while, I thought that I was a brilliant singer. I'll let you know this on fat, but I used to think that I could get on Australian Idol. I used to think that I would go down there and audition, and they would realize how brilliant I am, and I would be a famous singer. I honestly thought that. Looking back on it now, I cannot believe that I thought that. Anyway, imagine you put a sweet band together of really actually good musicians and and they're like on this stage here. They've all got the music in front of them and you're thinking, this is going to be good. This is going to be good music. But then imagine that every member in that band on their own decides, who cares what's written down there? I'm just going to ignore that. I'm just going to play whatever I want. How's that band going to sound if they all go off and do that? It's going to sound terrible. That's that's kind of like what happened with the world. God made the world good. It was in perfect harmony. It was all working together in perfect sync. And Genesis chapter 3 tells a story. Humans, we decided not to listen to the conductor, God. We decided to play our own thing, go our own way, and that that wrecked it. It wrecked the harmony between us and the conductor, but not just that. It also wrecked all of the harmony, including with nature. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, will come up on the screen. This is God speaking. And to Adam he said, Because you've listened to the voice of your wife and eaten the tree that I com- of the tree I commanded you, you shall not eat of it, because you rejected me and disobeyed me. Cursed is the ground because of you, In pain shall you eat of it all the days of your life. So this passage, it says, because of us, the ground is cursed. Now, have you noticed this, that as a society, we're finally learning that we are not totally separate from the ground? Yeah, we are kind of above it and different to it, but we're also part of it. It's like one big ecosystem. And so our actions as humans really do affect the world that we live in. Well, when we as God's creation messed up, we took the rest of creation with us. It's like one of those big clocks, okay? If one part breaks, the whole thing goes, the whole thing just grinds to a halt. Or like a windscreen shattering. Our sin caused a crack in the universe that quickly spread throughout the whole thing. And so the three relationships that we were made for in Genesis chapter 2, they're all broken. Our relationship with God is broken. We don't have one anymore. Our relationship with each other is broken. And our relationship with nature is broken. 
So the pain, the disease, the stuff that we see wrong with the world now, it's because of those cracks that have spread to the whole of God's creation, even nature. But why? Why did God let that happen? Well, partly it was a punishment. See, we basically said, stuff you, God. And God says, no, you can't say stuff you to me, your king, and still get all of my good gifts. Because of the way you treat me, says God, you don't deserve any good thing from me at all. Which actually means it's amazing, not that people suffer so much, but how much goodness we actually do see in the world. But there's more to it than that. Why did God let it happen? Well, God left the pain in this world to remind us that there's a problem here. See, we look at the world and we see, hang on, there's something wrong here. And the world today is a constant reminder that God is not happy with our rebellion against him. Viruses today, they're out of control. Planes fall from the sky. The physical world and the chaos we see in it, it's a reminder. See, the beauty that's there, it's enough to show us that God was good when he made it. But there's enough chaos and pain to show us there's a problem. And that problem is us. We're stained with sin. Because I think the Bible has the best explanation to why suffering exists. It's not just an illusion. It's not just payback. It's not just atoms bouncing together. We're right to feel in our hearts that this isn't the way it was supposed to be. God made the world good, and we humans broke it when we sinned. And ever since then, every human has followed in their footsteps and done the exact same thing. There's the Bible's answer for where suffering comes from. But why doesn't God do something about it? Well, here's unexpected answer number three. He is doing something about it. What's God doing? Well, firstly, he's going to put a stop to the evil and bring justice. See, we look at the evil in the world and we say, God, why don't you stop it? He will. Acts chapter 17, verse 31 says, He has set a day, it's on the screen, when he will judge the world with justice by the man he's appointed and he's given proof of this to everyone. That's Jesus, you haven't picked up. He's proved it by raising him from the dead. Do you know that God's heart breaks to watch the evil in the world? And there's a day coming where he's going to say, that's enough. And he won't just let people get away with what they've done. Now, people are going to get what they deserve. And so this is God's promise to a wounded world. I hear your cries of justice, he says. And I will one day bring relief by bringing justice for every evil act. And if you've If wrong has been done, it's such a comfort to know that God hears our cries for justice. But how does that help the 18-month-old baby who gets a brain disease and is going to be in hospital for the rest of her life? Well, that brings us to the second thing God is going to do about suffering. He's going to fix the world completely. If you've got your Bible, flick to Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. And it's also on the screen. And it's talking about what God's going to do when Jesus comes back. I love these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. It's going to be a new universe. 
And in that universe, verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Neither will there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. God is going to stop the pain. We broke the world, but he's going to fix it completely. Now, this is not talking about people on clouds playing harps. No, he's going to make a fresh universe, rock solid like this one is, the way it was supposed to be. And so if you love the taste, the smell, the sight, the sound, the touch of this world, the beach, the stars, your bodies, that's good. Because all those things will be there. It'll be this universe fixed with no more suffering. And so that 18-month-old baby will be fully healed. What we want for that baby is exactly what God wants and what he will do. See, God, why don't you do something about suffering? He will. He will fix it completely. But I want to finish with the most amazing thing of all. See, yes, he'll do something about it in the future. But when you're going through suffering in the moment, you ask, God, where are you in this now? What do you know about pain, God? When have you ever experienced loss, God? Well, here's unexpected answer number four. God himself has suffered to make it possible for you to be there in that world without, without suffering or sin. See, God is not safe up in heaven, untouched by the suffering in this world. God has suffered from it. And I'm not just talking about the pain of watching us hurt his world, hurt each other and hurt him, though he has actually suffered from that as well. But more than that, God has entered into this world of suffering. He came to earth as a man, Jesus. And so we saw on fat how he suffered. Do you remember the cross of Christ? The true and terrible torture of the Son of God. Rejected and mocked. Spat on. Stripped naked. Flogged with a whip. They put nails in his hands. He was hung up high on a cross to die. Perhaps the most terrible form of death known to man. And on the cross... Jesus cried out the words of Psalm 22, the one we had read for us. My God, my God, he says, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the cries of anguish? And as we read the rest of that psalm, that song, you can hear Jesus' agony on the cross. Look at verse 7. If you've got Psalm 22 there, look at verse 7. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. Or skip down to verse 15. Jesus was thirsty on the cross. It says here, My tongue is dried up like a potsherd, and my, my, oh, my mouth, sorry, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of evil villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat at me. They divide their, my clothes among them. They cast lots from my garments. That's, that's a psalm written hundreds of years before Jesus. But as you read it, you go, wow, this is talking about what happened to Jesus. 
on the cross that you, you find out that this cry of anguish written by a human hundreds of years earlier applies to God come to earth as human in Jesus more than it's applied to any other person ever. It's actually a prophecy, God predicting what, what he would come later to suffer for our sins. And he did that because of his love for you. Who has experienced suffering more than God has? No one. And yet, even after that, people still ignore him. I don't know how you could ignore Jesus after this demonstration of his love for you. See, as we face suffering, we may not always be able to know what God is doing. But we do know who is in control, and we can't doubt his love. So even if we can't see his plan... We can trust his goodness because he's demonstrated his love so clearly on the cross. He showed it all that day for everyone to see as he hung on the cross and he said, I love you this much. And so in suffering, don't doubt that God loves you. He's shown he does by dying for you. And when you suffer, he says to you, I know your pain, not just because I know everything, but because I've felt pain so guys turn to God in hard times he knows what you're going through but that's not all as we saw on fat Jesus death on the cross achieved something see I mentioned before there's a problem between us and God our relationship's been broken we've turned our backs on God and done evil and so there's no way that we should be allowed into God's new creation we need to have our sins forgiven first But Jesus on that cross took our place as our substitute and he took our sins on himself and he took God's punishment for our sins. And because of his death there, if you put your trust in Jesus to save you, your sins are taken away. The punishment is paid. Your debt is paid, you're set free, you're back in relationship, and so you'll live forever with him with no pain. Guys, what is God doing about suffering? Well, he's not doing band-aid solutions. See, even if he made your life easier now, that wouldn't help your deepest problem, that you're a sinner separated from God, headed for hell, Well, instead of giving us a band-aid, he's given us something real, something permanent. He took our sins on himself and he died to rescue us from this broken world forever. And tonight he is offering you an invitation to be part of that. Put your trust in Jesus tonight as your saviour and you will be saved forever. On the great day of judgment that's coming, the cross is my only hope. I won't be trying to convince the almighty God that I was a good bloke after all. I'm not. But I will be trusting God to make good on his promise that this cross saves sinners. And since the day I became a Christian, I've been clinging to this cross, yes with doubts, but clinging to it like a life raft in a sea of suffering and pain that this world is. Because ultimately, that is what God is doing about suffering. It, suffering. He's solving it forever through the cross. And so let me wrap up with a few quick points of application. Number one, why is he taking so long? 
The Bible says that uh, suffering that's going on right now, it breaks God's heart. He wants it to end. But if he came back right now, some of you wouldn't go to heaven. You need to put your trust in Jesus before it's too late. And so God is being patient. He's waiting for more people to come back to him so that they won't be punished but will be rescued forever. So turn back to Jesus now while there's still time. Secondly, how do you cope with suffering now? Well, firstly, remember the stuff we've talked about tonight. Don't blame God. It's our fault. Trust the... I should say when I say it's our fault, I don't mean it's you did this sin, so God is going to give you that suffering. I don't mean that. I mean we as humans, it's our fault. But remember that. Don't blame God. Also trust that he's going to do something about it. We've seen tonight he's going to fix it. Also remember that God knows what it's like to suffer, so you can talk to him about it. And I think most of all, look at Jesus' death on the cross for you, where he, he shows you how much he loves you. It's proof, so you can trust that even if you don't know what he's doing, you know he's good. As well, when you cope with suffering now, know that God uses suffering for our good. And so sometimes we don't see how it's for our good, but he promises that it is. It's like, I don't know if you've ever zoomed in so far on a picture on your computer. that You can't really tell what that picture is anymore. You just see like the dots. But when you zoom out, you say, ah, oh, actually, actually, yeah, I get it. That's what, that's what that is. Our lives right now, we don't see the whole picture. We just see one moment of it. And so we can't work out the big picture. What is God doing? How does this fit into that? I can't see it. But God sees the big picture. He sees how it all fits together and how it's going to be worth it. And so finally, pray for strength. And look forward to that day when God himself will wipe away your tears And take away all pain forever. He's going to make all things new. Father God, I thank you so much that you care about us despite the way that we rejected you, broke your world, and treat each other. And thank you that despite all that, you still love us and you showed it on the cross when you died for us. Thank you that through your death, we can, if we trust in you, be saved, have our sin taken away, be forgiven. Thank you that one day you're going to stop evil and make the world new. And God, I pray, please, that the people in this room won't miss out on that. Help them to take this seriously and to trust in Jesus as their Savior. Live with him as their king for the rest of their days. Lord, for those who are hurting, I pray that these words would be a comfort, that you do know what it's like. You do love them. And Father, I pray that you would help us to endure suffering that we know is going to come in this life. Trust that you're using it for good. In Jesus' name, amen.